Everybody and welcome into the Nick State of Mind podcast. Hope all of you enjoyed your holidays, uh, but plenty have been going on the last couple of weeks. Julius Randall is on fire. That's going to be part of the show here today. The, the last couple of weeks, I think averaging around 24 points, nine rebounds, uh, so playing at a high level. We're going to discuss him as well as uh, Alfred Payton taking over the Nick starting point guard role. And then, as we kind of were just talking right before uh, we started recording the show. I have a confession to make, guys. I got I got a big confession coming up here on uh, one of the guys that's on the Knicks that I was very high on, but have kind of lost steam with that. So if any of you that have listened to the show probably know where I'm going to go uh, with that. But that's that's coming on a little later on. As I mentioned, you know, we're going to start the show here with um, Julius Randle. Uh, that's really looked like the, the hoops the size of the ocean for him. You can't do much wrong. I mean, the guy was shooting like 24% from the three-point line uh, just a few weeks ago, but now starting to heat up from behind the arc and really getting his game going. Uh, and Chip, I wanted to start with you here. Uh, the last few weeks, Julius Randle has kind of looked like the guy the Knicks expected him to be when they gave him that large contract. Yeah, since Miller took over, his numbers have really improved. Like, not just uh, not just scoring wise, but his efficiency. Like he's shooting forty-seven point nine from the field, thirty-six percent from three, and that's on five three-point attempts. So he's putting up uh, he's putting up a lot of shots, and he's averaging nine point six rebounds. Uh, and he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much either. He's not creating from the top of the key either, which is I think very important to his success. Fizz was obviously asking him to do things that he wasn't really capable of doing. Uh, and we saw uh, the Knicks were kind of campaigning his uh, status to win uh, Eastern Conference Player of the Week this week, which they I'm looking at his the Knicks Twitter account right now. He, this week he averaged 32.7 points, 9.7 rebounds, and 3.3 assists. I think he had a pretty damn good case for it, and – I guess Jalen Brown won. Uh, I don't have Jalen Brown's numbers in front of me, but, I mean, the the Celtic is always going to get the award. We know that. So the Celtics always get the positive right. media coverage. I don't think Julius Randle really gives a shit if he wins an Eastern Conference Player of the Week award. Who cares? It would have been cool, but he didn't get it. Um, he played great this week. He looks. It's not just the numbers. Even though the numbers have been incredible, his net rating has gone up. Uh, I mean, you look at, the, the numbers in the last 11 games, the Knicks are a minus 12.3 points per 100 possessions when he's not on the court. It, it's like you ne- When Fizz was still the coach, uh, you never would have guessed that the Knicks would be that worse when he wasn't on the court. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. Like, the Knicks are scoring, what, 106.8 points per 100 possessions when he's all on the court and 102.8 when he's off the court. It's pretty wild, like how, and you could tell when you're watching the games how much better they are when he's in and how much worse they are when he's out. And we'll get to uh, Alfred Payton later. It's just the two of them 
I think Alfred Payton playing, I don't want to put too much emphasis on uh, Mike Miller as, as uh, apparent as his adjustments have been. I think a lot of it has been the addition of Alfred Payton has really helped Julius Randle too. So yeah, it's good to see him play more like the guy we thought he was going to be more like a bruiser and not necessarily a, uh, Nikola, a bootleg Nikola Jokic or whatever Fizz was trying to make him into. I don't really know what his end game was there. Uh, but yeah, this is, it, it's good to see. I, I don't know if it's going to last. You know, he's not going to average 30 points every single week. Right. And uh, he did just, like, I tweeted out, it, uh, Julius Randle did, uh, dominated against the Washington Generals. So I think we need to take the Wizards game with a grain of salt. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been great to see him play well because he struggled so much and then they called him out in that players only meeting and that seemed to really help. So right. it's good to see him adjust and take the criticism and stride and play well. And Dan, I was just going to ask you right quick, you know, is you hear Chip's thoughts on it, you know, talking about the Alfred Payton kind of helping him as well here. I was just curious to see, is it, Necessarily, just with Coach Miller, obviously a little bit different of an offensive style. Is that something that you think has played into the increase of of Randall, a slightly different offense, having a point guard to take over? Because Randall, a lot of the times, was trying to do that point forward role, you know, and it's not not really his game, you know. Now playing a lot more off the ball, things like that. Do you think that is what what we're seeing? an increase in Randall's production, or is it just now that he has settled into his role being in New York? Because sometimes coming to a new team takes some time to get used to. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm this, I know this is like, this is bad, but I'm just, I'm going to cop out a little bit and say it's like a little bit of everything. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of people are quick to, you know, first off just be like, wow, this is Mike Miller. Oh, he's so much better than Fizz. He's, <laughs> he figured out how to use Randall, which, yeah, there's been some minor tweaks. Uh, I think Mike Vorkanov in The Athletic, he had a good article about some of the tweaks um, that we've been seeing uh, from Miller. And, you know, I don't want to take away credit from Miller, but I'm going to kind of piggyback off of Chip here. I think Alfred Payton coming back is a much bigger, you know, much bigger thing for, for why, a much bigger reason for why Randall has been more successful of late. Uh, if you look at, I'm on basketball reference, if you look at Randall's on-off, or not on-off, if you look at his two-man combination numbers, the only person he has a positive uh, points per 100 possessions rating uh, is with Alfred Payton. And they're plus 5.2 points per 100 possessions. Yeah. Everyone else is, is you know, a, a minus on there. I think Bobby Portis is zero, minus 0. 0.5, so kind of close but you get the picture you know essentially it's alfred payton he he and randall and this ties in a little bit with you know him being comfortable in new york he and payton and randall played together all year in new orleans last year together so there's already a comfortability there between the two and like you said you know sometimes it takes guys to get you know get their feet wet in a new city kind of you know obviously we're just looking at things from a basketball perspective but just you know getting used to the city getting used to his new you know his new surroundings everything like that i think that all plays a part you know and in, into kind of randall finding himself and i'm glad i'm actually glad chip brought up uh the eastern conference player of the week because today i was writing a quick little news story about it you know saying just i assumed he was going to win just because his numbers were off the charts in these three games um but as we've said on this podcast before we don't want to 
take too, put too much stock into those because with the mellow winning the Western Conference thing, people were up in arms, you know, freaking out about, oh, how did Mello win? Whatever. It's I mean, it's a stupid little thing. It's like a weekly award. It doesn't mean anything. I think the important thing is just Randall's been playing really well. And I like that Washington Generals line from Chip because they are <laughs> they they really were like just the, the Wizards are shorthanded yeah. as shorthanded gets. Um, so again, all of this stuff kind of comes into context, comes, you have to take it, you know, in the right context. Um, but like, you can't, I, I can't criticize Randall cause he's playing well. I, I don't know how long, they, if he can keep up this stretch or, you know, if things are going to turn once they play, you know, some of these better teams coming up in the schedule, I would assume that Randall is not going to continue on this, you know, 30 points per game stretch, but you got to give him credit. He's playing well, you know, the proof is in the pudding. It's a results oriented business you know yeah, it, 30 he scored oh sorry Matt you go ahead Chip you go ahead oh no I was just gonna say he scored 30 points uh three games in a row and KP only did that one time so the entire <laughs> time he was in there so that's all and he, but that, already done it that one time was <laughs> I, actually that KP was player of the week when he did it and I, that, that one I that was the 300 he scored 300 points in his first 10 games so uh, <laughs> Listen, the the Randall versus Porzingis stuff is a that's a debate for a different day. I've already. I, seen, I don't know. I I've don't know already, if it's a debate quite yet. Well, but that, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That's turn into one. You know, it just sounds. Well, good. I'm I'm just saying. Like I I've been off social media pretty much since Christmas. Just you know, I haven't paid attention to Twitter. Just taking a quick break for my own sanity. But I saw enough of those. Oh, Randall is a better option than Porzingis for the Knicks. I saw enough of those takes before this week that I know, (laughs) sure, I'm sure of it, that there are people out there posting, you know, Randall stats versus Porzingis. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. But I don't I don't think I have the uh, I don't think I have the uh, the patience to to talk about that today. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I I have the patience to go down a rick carlisle a post up as a bad play thing i i I was just about to go into that (laughs) i don't know (laughs) and i I just think the thing with randall is you know obviously beginning of the year and i know frank emerged a little bit there was giving the knicks some production when he was in the starting rotation early on in the season but i also think at the beginning of the year that the Randall was being used in a lot of ways that's not his strength. Like when, you know, he was taking on that point forward role. You know, when he has the ball in his hands too much and he's dribbling it, we, I, we know what he's going to do. He's going to spin. He's going to get inside the lane and spin. And it, it's every single time. It's every time. And when he has the ball in his hands, every possession doing that, eventually the defense is going to go, okay, he's going to spin this way. And he has the ball knocked away from him. It happens a lot with, with Randall. Now that he's playing a little bit more off the ball and, and not having to worry about that point forward thing, which didn't seem like the, a good fit for him, I just think that has certainly helped. But I also think it takes some time to kind of get settled in. You know, he got off to the bad shooting start, you know, 24% from behind the arc. He had that large contract. He was obviously the Knicks' biggest offseason signing. Expectations, of course, are going to be high. You know, fans are going to expect so much from him. Uh, and I and I try not to make this as an excuse, but it's tough. You come to New York, if you get off to a bad shooting start, and you turn over the basketball in some key situations like you did at the beginning of the year, it's not going to go over well. And, and patience are, are something that I don't think Nick fans have. A lot of New York sport teams, it, we just don't have patience. We don't we don't want to see it. I think though, 
last couple of weeks, having his role change a little bit, you know, the players meeting when he got called out a little bit, I think, you know, he is finally looking like he's settled in, he's comfortable, and, you know, you can see it in his shot. Early on in the season, he wasn't shooting the basketball guys. He was aiming it, and you can clearly see it. Now, you know, he's shooting the bat. Even when he misses, he's not hesitating. Goes back down the floor. If he has that same look, he's taking it again. And it's sometimes you just need something like this to get going. He's got some momentum going. And I think, you know, like you said, Chip, he's not going to average 30 points a game for the rest of the season or anything like that. So don't expect that. But the point is, it's nice to see that we're seeing the guy that we signed and what we – we're hoping that he can bring, you know, averaging 24-9 the last two weeks. That's probably going to go down a little bit. But the point is he's stepping up because it seemed for a while it was Morris has been that guy. And, and Morris probably won't be here in a couple more weeks, guys. You know, it more than likely we'll be shipping him at the deadline. So you, you need Randall to start getting it going. It took a little bit. It took a couple of months into the season. But the guy is starting to look a little bit more comfortable. It's looking like the guy that we expected him to be. And, and I think for one thing, you know, is some of these small changes certainly seem to help. Uh, and I'm just excited to see if he can continue to, you know, improve on this. And, um, you know, I, you guys mentioned the player of the week went to Jalen Brown. Okay, well, let's see if uh, Randall can get it again, uh, get back in the discussion and win one here coming up. Because he was phenomenal this week. I mean, that last game against Washington, as you point out, no, Washington's banged up. And I was looking today, by the way, guys, when I was putting my DraftKings team together, nobody from Washington's playing. They got even more guys that are hurt now. So it, it's – I understand considering it was uh, the, the the banged up Wizard team that he did it again, but 16 rebounds as well. Uh, it seems like he did no wrong in that game. And in a game that I don't think we should have been as close as it was – you know, I was a little frustrated about that at times because, we, you know, we had that 13, 14-point lead and then they came right back, kind of felt like that game earlier in the week. But Randall was big when we needed him to, and he had a terrific week. And that's all we can kind of ask for here. And just to just to put a little perspective on the, the Wizards, before the game, the uh, Wizards coach, Scott Brooks, was joking, saying basically – he probably like he's probably gonna get fired because of how hurt they are. Because he said the last time this, I had a team that this was this hurt, I got fired. But then he goes, <laughs> he goes, I still got a year guaranteed left on my contract though. And yeah. he was make, he was making those jokes before Bradley Beal was out. Wow. So, so it was uh, yeah. They the, the Wizards are they're in a they're in a pretty tough spot right now. They yeah. they had they had two players who they signed via hardship exceptions starting for them. So Jesus. that right there, although Gary Payton, the second, he's like, he looks he's like, good. He's, he's like, good. My, he's like he my new favorite good. player. He's, he was phenomenal in that, that game at MSG. Um, but yeah, not to get too far off on a, on a wizard's tangent, but, uh, I just, I, yeah, I thought that was funny. You rarely hear coach choking around laughing like, yeah, no, I'll probably get fired. If I get fired, I got one more year. They got to pay me. So yeah. yeah so hey. It's kind of like Disney. He's getting paid for the next three years, like yeah. $5 million to do nothing. So he's, it's, it's sitting, he's sitting on the beach with his wife reading a yeah. book. Like, man, that's that. I'm, I'm sure he'd rather be coaching and, you know, be, be, be with a team somewhere, but doesn't look too bad. Yeah, that's not a bad alternative at all. I heard he's actually going back to ESPN. So you're going to get yeah, paid. Yeah, yeah. That's the coaching salary. So, I mean, life isn't too bad for the old coach uh, Fizda. I don't feel bad for him. No. He's not going home. He's not no. going home. Uh, but, 
second part of it, what we want to discuss today is, is Alfred uh, Alfred Payton. I keep wanting to say Alfred. His name's not Alfred, guys. Um, but, you know, Payton now taking over their starting point guard role here. Uh, it, you know, Payton had some injuries early on this season. Took him a little bit to kind of get going. But the last few weeks, kind of like when Randall took off, you know, now we're seeing Payton emerge as the starting point guard. Uh, Chip, you kind of went into it already a little bit the combination between Peyton and Randall working together, but more on the Peyton side of things, you know, with him being the starting point guard the last couple, couple of weeks, what, what are your thoughts of uh, watching Peyton out there playing? Yeah. The Knicks are just better when he's out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it doesn't take like, you don't need to look at the numbers to even notice like the, the offense moves better when he's out there. The ball moves better when he's out there. I mean, he doesn't even, have a, he doesn't have a high usage. He's not a high usage player. And he just – he moves well without the ball, too. And he's – I think it's impressive that he's a guy who teams play often. You know, they know he can't shoot. He knows he can't shoot. So, he doesn't take a lot of threes even. And he's still effective. And I I got to eat some crow because I was very low on the signing <laughs> when they brought him in. I was – I'm not a big fan of uh, – guards who can't shoot in today's NBA and I didn't think it would be a good fit but I was also pretty high on Frank being able to accept the starters role and obviously that's he's not been able to do that Peyton's been the better player and look his I think the thing that's really set him apart is he's been every bit as good a defender as Frank has yeah Frank there were some plays in the Wizards game the second Wizards game where they won that Frank did got smoked by Ish Smith, just smoked by him, looked like a rookie. Uh, and I'm not trying to trash Frank or anything, but he is, he hasn't looked at, like an elite defender at times. Um, right. Now he's, he's probably going to turn out to be a great defender. It still looks like he has that potential, but there are still times when Frank falls asleep on defense and Clyde Frazier, by the way, never <laughs> always quick to point that out. Uh, right. And Frank, Frank makes some turnovers where you're like, Jesus Christ. And Alfred Payton doesn't do that. Alfred Payton always makes a smart play. He's always seems to be in it on defense. He always comes over hard on a screen. He makes a lot, a lot of the same plays that we're always like, Oh, that doesn't show up on the box score for Frank. Alfred Payton does a lot of that shit too. Really does. He's a smart guy. And I think that's why he, I, I know that's why he belongs in the starting lineup. And I just, I like the way he meshes with this team. And you mentioned Marcus Morris. It's something interesting. Like, his numbers have dipped since Miller took over. And I think that's actually a good thing because he is going to be traded. And it's a good sign that when he is inevitably traded, I think the team can still have relative success without him. Because Randall has played better. And Peyton has played better, and RJ's been very inconsistent. But I think without Morris, RJ will get more touches. Knox will get more time. Uh, and Knox will get more time at the four, hopefully, because mm-hmm. Portis hopefully will be traded too, because Bobby Portis has been a disaster at times, especially. It's crazy. You never yeah. know what you get from him when he comes yeah, out. Uh, he's just out. It's out of control, Bobby Portis. Right. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, as. Getting back to Alfred Payton, I, I really like what I see from him. Like, just based like he when he brings guys after guys make mistakes, he's the guy who brings them over and like puts his arm around the guy's shoulder and starts talking to him. 
Mm-hmm. He's that guy. He seems like I know we say Taj is the leader and Marcus Morris is the leader, but Morris seems like the leader, like more in the locker room. And Taj isn't really can't be really be the leader on the court because he's not on the court for more than like twelve or fifteen minutes a game. I think Alfred Payton takes more of a leadership role on the court, and the Knicks really need that. So he's valuable. You know, I remember when right after free agency, um, we got into uh, the podcast and we we talked about, you know, the guys that we were most intrigued seeing uh, from from the signings. And my answer was Peyton. And I know you guys were a little surprised by that, but I I watched, you know, and I do things like DraftKings and all that stuff. And, you know, he was a guy that I took consistently towards the end of last season because I was winning money with him in my, in my lineup because he did multiple different things. He was putting up some numbers, went through a stretch where he was triple doubles even in, in, in uh, you know, a few of the games that he had last season. So I know sometimes at the end of the year, thing guys kind of emerge, look better than what they really are. So I knew not to look too much into that. But, however, the reason why I wanted to see what Peyton could do is I wanted to see, could he build off of that? You know, could he finally give the Knicks maybe some stability at the point guard position? And, you know, one thing I, I've learned from watching is I knew he was a bad shooter. I didn't realize how bad it was. Yeah. Like, I, when he took that three-pointer, I don't care he was open. He took a three-pointer late in a close ball game against Washington. I'm screaming, why shoot it? You can't shoot. Like, I don't want him shooting the basketball at all because it's, it's just a terrible jump shot. It's not even a shot. He kind of slings it and, and throws it towards the basket. It is horrendous. However, though, you know, you, you'll get a guy that has his hands in multiple different things, that he's going to find the open player. You know, he's attacking the basket. He gets in the on the boards as well. He's a good rebounding guard as well. Uh, and I, I, I like the fact that him and Frankie McKenna are the guys in the rotation because, you know, I, as you mentioned, Frank did have some issues defensively against Ishmith. And, you know, I guess sometimes you're not you, – you're going to get beat. It's the NBA. It's going to happen to everybody. It's not the easiest thing, by the way, to keep somebody in front of you in the NBA. I don't think – I think people sometimes forget that a little bit here, how hard it is to guard somebody in the NBA. Um, but I, I feel like when – you know, we have Peyton come off the floor. I know Frank hasn't played as well as he did a couple of weeks ago. But, however, I still feel like we're getting that guy defensively and the guy that's moving the ball around. And that issue where we've seen is we had nobody to run the point in the backup or the second unit has looked a little bit better at times. I know Frank has been kind of a little bit down right here. Uh, but, you know, going back on Peyton, this is kind of what I wanted to see from him. Could he do this? And it's a small little stretch, guys. It's not – you got to continue to do so. But he certainly has taken the starting point guard job. And right now I, I agree with it. I mean, it's hard to – you know, as much as we would like Frank to be in that role, it's you can't do it. You, you know, Peyton's playing that well right now and has that good relationship uh, with Julius Randle where it seems to be a pretty solid connection – um, I just don't want him shooting the basketball. I cringe when he shoots. It, it's terrible. But, Danny, what are your thoughts on, on, on Peyton and, and taking over the starting point guard role? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you guys touched on pretty you know pretty much all the kind of important stuff that he's bringing. You know, he kind of he settles things down. He you know, like Chip said, he's he's kind of like that coach on the floor. I think even Miller has said that recently about him. Um, you know, I I don't I can't say too many bad things about him because he's he's doing his job you know he's 
doing kind of what we expected him to when they signed him, be that kind of that stable, dependable guy. But I mean, he's not, he's obviously, he's not the future. He doesn't have much of a future in New York or anything like that. I mean, he's bet he's an upgrade over Emmanuel Moutier and he's an upgrade over Jared Jack. Sure. But I mean, that is the, the Knicks clearly point guard is a position of need in the future. And I think, you know, wherever they're drafting, you know, one, two, three, four, five, wherever they're, they are in the top five of the draft, they've got to get a point guard that I don't, I think that's, you know, the number one need that they have. And, you know, Peyton should be starting right now. He definitely, you know, deserves the minutes, but I just, I, I think Frank definitely needs to keep getting minutes, whether it's on the second unit or, you know, maybe as an off ball, off ball guard in the starting lineup, even though that's never going to happen. Um, but like, I think Frank definitely needs minutes. You can keep giving Peyton minutes. It sounds like Dennis Smith Jr. You know, these all these reports coming out recently. Sounds like his days in New York might be numbered. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I, I'm not getting too excited about Alfred Peyton. Yeah, the Knicks are, you know, with him coming back and Miller taking over, the Knicks are winning some games. They're looking more competitive. But you know, this is still a really, really bad team. This is, you know, there's still one of one of the three to five worst teams in the league you know, easily. And, you know, Peyton, I think at, right now he's the next starter, but I mean, he's definitely a bottom half of the league starter, better off served as like a, you know, a second unit point guard off the bench for a contender. Um, but you know, it is what it is. This is, this is who the, this is who the Knicks have in their, their depth chart. And I think, you know, Peyton starting Frank second unit right now is the move to make. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not getting too excited over it. You know, this is, uh, I don't know. Two two wins in a row, you know, what, you know, five wins in, in Miller's first eleven games or so. It's all it's all nice. It's better than you know, it's better than it was, but it I don't I don't wanna, you know, kinda like lose sight of kind of the big picture. Knicks are still not good. The Knicks right. are still a bad team. Right. And you know, just uh now moving on to it, as you mentioned, you know Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, looks like his days are numbered. Uh, I got a little bit of a confession to make, and you guys, you guys were laughing yeah. about it before the show. I'm kind of laughing right yeah. now. I didn't want to spoil it, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I got a little confession to make here. Uh, this Dennis Smith Jr. thing did not work out. Did not work out. And this is coming from the guy that was screaming up and down for what I don't even years after the draft, right after we took. Frank Nielakina that the Knicks should have taken Dennis Smith Jr. Look, he became literally a screaming, literally, literally screaming. I, Chip remembers a lot of the rants that I had to have. I told Chip, I need five minutes. I need five minutes to get it out. So he's had to listen to it all. You guys had to listen to it all. You know, this guy, he, he, look, he got traded to the Knicks. He had his opportunity to put the Knicks uniform on. And it's just, it, it guy did not become the player that I thought that he could be. I think he still has a lot of potential. But I think that his his time in New York is clearly done. It, it just doesn't seem like he's going to excel here. He might somewhere else. He might somewhere else. But, you know, and I, I knew coming in he wasn't a great shooter himself. But I expected the guy to be able to make plays around the rim a little bit more. That's what I kind of want from a point guard, a guy that's going downhill, attacking, getting to the rim. And if he does do that and gets to the foul line, he can't make a free throw to save his life either. So it's just – it looks like a Dennis Smith Jr. thing. I might have been wrong about. Now, does that mean that I'm saying the Frank – I'm still not convinced necessarily that Frank was the right guy either. But 
it makes me feel a little bit better now that I've seen the guy that I wanted kind of in the uniform, and it just never really kind of worked out the way that I thought it would be. I remember when he got traded, I was excited, and I was thinking, okay, this guy's going to take over the starting point guard role. That's that's what I, I was ready to see it, and it just did not happen. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying that Dennis Smith Jr. is not going to be a very good player. I still think he has that potential. He's, only, he's a young player as well, just like Frank and all these other guys that came through that draft that are kind of still trying to get going. Uh, but – I can at least say now that you will not hear me say we should have took Dennis Smith Jr. That that argument is now officially done, dead, and you will never hear it from me again. Even if he goes somewhere else and he has a nice career for himself, we can just say that 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 wasn't the case. We had a chance with him; it did not work out the way that I thought. I'm done with Dennis Smith Jr. Time to move on. That's I think right, I think that's that's commendable that you. You're you're coming out and saying it though, because a lot of people I think would have tried to bury that take, like and be like, oh no, I said Frank from the start, but yeah, I mean it. I can I, admit, like said, I can admit, I can admit yeah, when you don't go. I, I I always do it, you know. I'm not. I, I know I get paid for a living to do this stuff, you know, with my radio show and all that. I'm not always right. And I don't have a problem telling you that I'm wrong. And I even said this, I could be wrong, but this is, I felt real strong about Dennis Smith Jr. I seen his time in the Nick uniform. He's not going to be the answer. So that looked like that was a wrong choice as well. I was wrong about that. Not still not saying Frank could be the better player between those two that we're discussing here. But however, the time in New York just wasn't good. It's time to move on. No more. That conversation's dead now. <laughs> Yeah, that was I like the I just my my little two cents on Dennis Smith. Like, I think I I would agree with you. I think that reading the tea leaves, it looks like you know sooner or later he's going to be going to a new situation. You know, hopefully for him it works out and everything. He you know figures it out. But I don't think I've ever I I remember many guys who just and I hate being the body language expert, but I don't like like I don't recall seeing many Knicks recently who just have bad bad as bad body language as Dennis right. Smith Jr. does you know like when he gets taken out of games like I like and it, I feel like I'm I'm nitpicking and this is probably unfair on my part but it, it's people notice it like it's not I know I'm not the only one who notices you know no. when he gets taken out you know guys are going to high five him on the bench and he just he just walks by him like and just does the thing where you just like kind of like bump your your wrist into their hand and stuff like that and like sitting at the end of the bench you know while other guys are like jumping up like going crazy like i don't know I, i'm i'm definitely reading into it too much but i don't think you are danny because i i even seen some reports today and again how true are these things i guess we won't really ever know but i'm seeing things right off the bat from his camp you know his his group um wanted to be traded once they signed peyton that he wasn't happy that they brought in another point guard. I've seen that in think, several sources. Yeah, I think that was uh, Berman. Might have Berman of the yeah. Post was probably the first. I think he was the first one to report that. But yeah, and and if that's the case, to me that just means you're afraid of competition. Yeah. It's what he had his opportunity, because I understand that he had some injuries and some personal things that caused him to miss some time. But Peyton was hurt for several weeks, and he had his golden opportunity to emerge as that guy, and he didn't do it. He didn't. Do, he shot thirty-two percent of that. It's like, points a game. dude, you couldn't beat out like as much as I love Frank. It's like, dude, yeah. you didn't want to play. You didn't want to play with Luca in Dallas. Yeah, that. And and now, and now you come to New York and you. As much as I love Frank, it's like 
you couldn't beat out Frank Nielakina yeah. for the starting job. <laughs> like yeah. a guy who can't shoot, can't score, uh, makes like we were just talking about, makes a lot of mistakes with turnovers. You couldn't beat him out for the job. Then you're maybe you're not a starter in the NBA. Maybe you need to embrace that you're not a starting point guard. And like I'm a numbers guy. When we decided we were going to talk about Smith, he doesn't qualify for any of the leaderboards because he hasn't played enough minutes. But if you just look at his numbers, the argument that can be made that he has been statistically the worst player in the NBA over the past two years, definitely this year. But his numbers are so bad. Like his effective field goal percentage is 37%. Right. It's significantly lower than the least uh, than the last qualified player, who's RJ Barrett, by the way. <laughs> but. <laughs> He's a teenager, so he gets a pass. So and and like you just you touched on it a little bit there. This is a guy who wanted out of Dallas because he I I mean I, I don't remember all like all the exact reports and I obviously don't know all the ins and outs of the details of like why he wanted out yeah. of Dallas, but presumably because he felt like Luka Doncic was taking too much of his shine and too you know, he didn't want to be playing off the ball yeah. with Luka Doncic, which I think a year ago right now, we might be having a conversation about, you know, why they should keep Dennis Smith Jr. on the ball. Like now you look at that. It's the most ridiculous thing to think that, you know, you would you would take away some of Luka Doncic's touches to get it to Dennis Smith Jr. I think now that's an absolutely ridiculous. Think of how think of how well Tim Hardaway Jr. is playing right now just because Mm -hmm. he's playing with Luka Doncic. Good point. Yeah, he this could be doing be, that. Yeah. He could be doing that right now. Right. Could it, be it, you know Tim Hardaway Jr. the best part of his career. Yeah. You know, right yeah. now. Right. You know. Yeah. And you know Tim's doing things when he got the Laker game against Dallas yesterday when he got hurt. They were talking mm-hmm. about it like it was a big story. That's how mm-hmm. important. Yeah. It is. yeah. Right. Yeah. Donage as his guy. It's absolutely. That's a great point, Chip. And you know I look at Dennis Smith Jr. and again this is not me saying that I. I don't believe that he can turn into a good player still and still have a very good career. I'm not saying that. I'm not going to call him a bust because he's still young and he might find a home, might find a place where he can do some things. But I can say this, he wasn't the guy that I thought he was going to be in you know, his third season in the NBA. And a lot of those things just seem to be very ego. Uh, he has a high ego about himself, not wanting to play with this guy, wanting to be this the, the star player. Well, he hasn't done anything to show that he could be. I mean, you know, as you pointed out, he had his opportunities. He couldn't even outplay Frank, who can't, who's not even an offensive threat. But yet, Frank provided more offense. I was very disappointed. And you know, if it's his time and he has to get traded, bye. And this was a guy that wanted them in the worst way, but did not work out the way. And I can, I can admit that you know that was that would have been a disaster for the Knicks as well because the guy needs. I think he needs to mature up. Number one, a little bit more, but. You know, it, it's clear that New York is not going to be his home. I think he can – I still think he can be a good player, guys, but it, it's not going to be in New York. It's that simple. And not to not to go – well, this is the second Porzingis reference of the of the show, but, uh, you know, if they sell if they sell low on Dennis Smith Jr., like it, it sounds like is a possibility at this point, what the heck did the Knicks get back for Kristaps Porzingis? Two, no. two first-round picks in the mid to late 20s? Yikes! Yeah, and should these two clowns running the team right now be allowed to make the Dennis Smith Jr. trade? Uh, I'm not sure because they have such a personal investment tied into the way mm-hmm. it's going to go, 
I don't know if they should be allowed to do it. That's right. actually I'm I was I was surprised that Frank is, you know, getting most I mean, obviously we've all seen what's going on in the court, so it's not surprising based on their play. But I was surprised that, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. got a couple of those DMPs because same, you know, same kind of thing you're you're bringing up here, Chip, is like they have a lot invested in him. You know, like they, they yeah. going into the season, like one of the storylines is like they need Dennis Smith Jr. to succeed because he's like right now is the only tangible piece that they got in return for Porzingis. And that was the problem. That's what we talked about when the trade happened was you traded away again. Not that and I, I remember when we did that that podcast, Danny. I don't think I don't I don't think you were a part of that and with us yet. Not yet. Yeah. Me and Chip talked about was we don't have a problem necessarily that we traded the guy that did not want to be there anymore. But all you did was trade for the potential of cap space and landing free agents, which. We told you guys back then, we're going to strike out. That's what we do. We're not going to get a, a big-time free agent. And then we got nothing to go with it. That's what makes that trade so But not the fact that we traded Przingis. He, he wanted out, get him out. That's fine. But that trade was it, – it, it don't look good. It doesn't look good. And maybe that's going to be a topic for another week when, when this drama unfolds here because, guys, I, I do think Dennis Smith Jr. is going to be sent out uh, pretty soon. What are they going to get for him, a second-round pick? Probably like, so. Yeah. Yeah, there's okay. no way they're getting a first. No, yeah, and and even like I mean, like there's there's I I read stuff, you know, like Marcus Morris is a late first round, like that's what he's gonna get back. Dennis, yeah. if Dennis, if you get a second round pick from Dennis Smith Jr. right now, it's almost like you're you're making out like a bandit. It, it would feel well, it like. could be at this point if you put him in in another game, you could just be hurting his trade stock more. He looks so bad. Like right. you mentioned his body language, Danny. What if he mm-hmm. goes out there? plays like seven minutes and he's like oh geez his body he's like throwing his arms up in the air again and won't high five his teammates it could just make it even worse like lower stock even more i just trade him as soon as possible maybe the best route to go the mavs stopped like he just stopped it was kind of like a mutual thing but he just like stopped showing up when they when they decided last year you know like so weird we're we're on you're on your way out he just like they just it was almost like a like a weird like a, like an exile like a self imposed exile. They were all just kind of in agreement. Like you yeah, go, they were fine with it. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, think, <laughs> I think essentially he was like he was like I want to be traded, and they're like, all right, why don't you, well, you know, why don't why don't you just take some time, then? you know, don't don't worry about coming into work yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> that's that's I think that's it. I think that's where we're gonna leave it at. Uh, but we might have more interesting topics coming up when this kind of emerges because that that is interesting. Who's gonna? What is his trade value? What what yeah. is gonna be right now? I would say at least a second round pick. Hopefully, it's not like that thing from Semi Pro and we trade him for a washing machine. But that's what it's looking. Like. <laughs> guy, guy can't do nothing on the floor right now. So um, we'll wrap it up. Uh, we'll be back next week for another episode of the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Thanks for listening.